This episode was brought to you by Platinum Physical Therapy and X Endurance. More on that later. Running for me is just like the three-legged stool for me. You know, it's one of the legs. It just balances my life. And I think that's the biggest thing. I still have to balance my life. I still have to go out and enjoy it. And the biggest thing I told myself all along in running is, if it's not fun anymore, I'm going to quit because I can find something else more fun. That was Janet Cherubon Balcom, and this is the Running on Ohm podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to or welcome back to the Running on Ohm podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and I am so grateful that you, yes, you, you've chosen to tune in today. Here on the Running on Ohm podcast, we feature long form style conversations with women in endurance sports and in the outdoors. I say this every time and I really mean it. Although these conversations focus on women's stories in particular, this podcast is for everyone, for everyone to listen to and hopefully be inspired and empowered by. Today's podcast conversation with Janet Cherubon Balcom is inspiring. Janet is a former professional runner, Janet's an Olympian, and now works as a registered nurse and running coach in the Grand Canyon. Wow, Janet has an incredible story and perspective. And in our conversation, we discuss her background being born in Kenya, coming to the U.S. on an athletic scholarship for college, her path to making the 2020 Olympic team, and Janet's also run in the past three Olympic marathon trials. And we discuss what's kept her inspired throughout her running career, how she balances running now with her work as a nurse, her coaching philosophy, and so, so much more. Janet is full of wisdom on how to persevere and stay positive through the highs and lows of running in life, and I am so honored to have Janet on the podcast. As always, please do reach out if you tune in to today's conversation. I know that thousands of people listen to every episode, and until someone reaches out, you bring the podcast to life. Also, please consider sharing this conversation with someone you know. It might be your best running buddy, your coworker, a family member, or with your community on Instagram. Nothing beats word of mouth. Okay, friends, let's do this. Let's dive deep with the incredible Janet Cherubon Balcom. Janet to the Running on Own podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's my joy. So today I'm finding you in the Grand Canyon. And I know that is correct. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you do there. So I moved to the Grand Canyon partially about three years ago, a little bit over three years ago. And uh, I found a job and I work at the clinic here. It's the only clinic uh, between here and uh, Flagstaff. And so I really was blessed to get this job because it actually is a really good fit for me. It's 
I can do the outdoor things I want and I get to see all sorts of crazy things here. So I'm really happy about that. That's amazing. So as a nurse, you wanted to work specifically in this area. Yeah. So when I went to nursing school, I really thought I wanted to be a, to work with kids, kids. And I did my rotation in Atlanta and just my heart broke out hard. And so I just decided, you know, I don't think this will last if I stay here. So I decided, you know, I think the clinic setting would be better for me. But even to get an opportunity to do like the injuries and people dealing with altitude, you know, that has really been an added advantage for me. So. Yeah, amazing. And I know your husband is also a nurse with you. Do you both work in the same clinic? Yes, we do. So it's been really interesting. Our desks were next to each other for the last three years. So he just transitioned to being a provider right now. So he went back to school and he got his NP, nurse practitioner. So he's going to be doing family practice. So he's going to be more like my boss, but... We'll see how that works. But we worked the last three years together. We didn't kill each other. And yeah, it was fun. And, you know, we came home and you didn't even ask, you didn't even have to ask, how was your day, honey? You know, we all knew it. So we just moved on. Would your clients, would people know that you were married? No, not most of them at all. Uh, It would be like he would see a patient and talk about something about the wife running and all that other stuff. And then I go in and the patient would be like, oh, yeah, they was here helping me out. And it was talking about the wife being a good runner and all these things, you know, injuries. And yeah, then I would just laugh about it. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. So I read online a little bit about your meeting story with your husband, which was pretty unusual, it sounds like. Would you share it with us? How accurate that is? My husband thinks my mom set it up, but that's not my mom, you know? So we actually met in 2000. And the crazy thing was when I moved to the U.S., he had moved to Kenya. So we basically changed uh, places, you know. And then uh, my mom heard that there were some people from Harding uh, about in Eldore. And so she went looking for these guys and met Jay and his buddies. Uh, I think there were three other guys. And so at Christmas time, this was in August, and it, at Christmas time, my mom decided, oh, she was going to send me some Kenyan treats. And so went back to the school where Jay and his buddies were teaching and just sent him uh, with some candy and spices and stuff like that. And so they lived in the same town that I went to school, and that's where he went to college. So he brought it, and that's how we met. And then I think it was less than two years when we started dating. So. Oh, wow. And was it unusual that there would be people in Harding, like in in Kenya? Like, I mean, that's... Yeah, it was. You know, it was, it was really crazy because when I got there, 
uh, the coach said there were some guys who had gone to Kenya to do mission work. And then there was another guy who was at Harding. And the brother told my mom that he knew the guys from Harding. And so that's how the connection happened. And it's just, it's just crazy to just even that that happened. And so when Jay found out that, uh, he tried to connect with my family because the coach had told Jay that there was a lady they were recruiting to come to Harding. And so when Jay got there and called my uncle, there was only one phone in the whole village. So you had to call somebody to send somebody to get the person you need. So they called my uncle and... At that point, I was already here. They were like, oh, too bad you missed her, you know? So. Wow, that's amazing. So let's actually talk a little bit about where you're from um, in Kenya. Kapsabet is known to be one of the distance running, you know, meccas of Kenya. As a kid, did you grow up running? Oh, that's really interesting. Like I... At Olympic time, you have to stay up. It doesn't matter what time zone it is. And you have to go to the little shack where they had like a little TV that looked like a computer at the time, you know. And they like hunt. The whole village was there, you know, towards the Olympics. And so I remember that. But I, my mom was a teacher and uh, all she wanted for us was just school, school, school and more school, you know. She thought, this, you got to have talent to make all this money, you know. And no, nobody else in my family had really run except my uncle, who won Berlin at one point. But, you know, he worked really hard and he was a guy. But my mom thought, you know, school, schools, and more school will really get you to places. So, Wow. So then how did you first start running? So when I graduated high school, I am one of eight kids, and it was it was tough to continue uh, to go to college, and my other siblings were growing up and going to high school, and at that point, my mom was a single parent, and there were seven other kids to feed and to pay for high school, and so she decided, you know, it was better for me to sit at home for a few years until some of the kids can get into high school or maybe she can secure enough funds for me to go to um, college. But that went on for almost three years and I was just getting really frustrated being at home and just doing the same thing, the same chores all the time, you know, milking cows, taking the kids to school, cooking and all that. And I really, really, really wanted to go to college. So... Fortunately, I met a guy. It was God-given, I guess. Uh, I was going to visit my aunt, and this guy just stopped and offered me a ride, and that was my ticket to come to the U.S. He was Peter Ono. He's an Olympian. He won a gold medal. And so he talked to me about going to college for free if I started running, and at this point, I think I had probably ran a four by four by mistake because one of my friends was sick. I was in seventh grade, and so I had to fill in for the four by four. And so that's the only race I had done in my entire life at that point. So, yeah. 
And so at that point, uh, you know, it wasn't co- very convincing. You know, it's like something out of the movie. Like, oh, how can you just go run and somebody pay for your school, which is a ton of money. And just even to think about approving from a small village and even getting on an airplane that not a whole lot of people have done. That was just crazy for me to think about it. But six months later, I thought, man, I should have listened to that guy, you know. So I went looking for him, even though I didn't know his name, but I knew his credentials and I used that. And I asked around and hold behold, I met him the same way. He was just driving down the road and he stopped and he's like, oh, I knew you were going to come look for me. So that's how my running story started. That's amazing. And so what was it like when you first began running? I mean, at that age, post high school, it's a little bit later to start running and then to try to make it to college. Was there a steep learning curve? It's it's definitely, it was definitely hard. You know, I still had to compromise with my mom to help her out. And some people moved to the city and uh, stayed there and just solely trained. I had to commute from home to the stadium and meet everybody else. It, it wasn't far, you know. After you run for so long, you're like, oh, that's my warm-up, you know. Now when I go home, I run to the stadium for warm-up. You know, at that time, it was like a chore to get from home back and forth all the time. It's only like three or four miles. And I had to walk over there, go exercise, or do our running routine and walk back home. And so it was challenging at the beginning, but I, you know, that was it. I didn't have another option. I had to do it. And that's what kept me going. And I had told myself, at one point, I told my mom, you know, I'll do this to the end of my life. If I go, that's fine. If not, that's fine. I am committed. I'll do it. I'll put everything in it. And it worked out. It, it wasn't long enough that I was uh, in America. And so it sounds mm-hmm. like running for you was really at that time like a means to get education was there any joy in it? Did you enjoy running or did it feel more like a work? It, it was a joy and work at the same time because I would get a break from all the chores at home. And I was just so excited to have that break, even though the running part of it was just really, really hard for me. I didn't really have any idea what distances mean, what times mean. I just ran, you know. I felt like I was running for a long time. And when I look back, it was only like six miles. And I laugh about it nowadays when I go for my evening runs at home in Kenya. That's what I do my, for my evening run. And it was my long run at the time. And I thought, man, I had accomplished a lot at the time. That's amazing. And so coming to the United States at Harding University, how was that transition to come to a new country? It was good. I had a lot of support. It was hard for the beginning. I'll tell you, the first year was really, really tough for me. Uh, when you think somebody who didn't really have much in Africa, and then to come here, I had a bed. I had my own bed. I had basically just one roommate, and I would go to the cafeteria. I didn't have to wash dishes. You know, everything was paid for. I got shoes, and 
it was a, a great opportunity for me, but the other side of it was it was the the culture was really a shock to me. And just to get here and be thrown into a class and you have to learn the computers and in the same time you are learning in class and you are trying to learn the computers because I had not really used my computers in Kenya. And then I get here and it's all computer based. And that was really tough. And I was really worried I might lose my scholarship. And then the other part was I was just missing my family so much. That was the biggest thing. I missed my siblings. I missed my mom. And I cried a lot, for sure. <laughs> but it helped. I had great teammates. Uh, they actually tried a lot. But, you know, it's still it's still hard. But my coach was very understanding. I got injured a lot, but he never gave up on me. He tried everything. Rehab, different shoes, you know. <laughs> Ice baths, massage, you know, I was getting all the treatment that an athlete needed and all the attention for sure. And I think that really, really helped me transition better. It took about two years. And after that, I was like, oh, wow, I even forgot about missing the family, you know. Were you able to go back and visit your family on holidays or during summer breaks? No, uh, it was. I was a student. I came to America with $50 from the whole community. And that was the beginning of my life. And to afford to get another of a thousand to two thousand dollars to go back, that was not gonna happen. It was just I just was hoping that one day I would make it. I worked part-time at school, but that was still to help out at home. And so it was I either had to save to go back or I save and get my siblings through college. And that was my biggest goal in life was to help my siblings to go to school and just to help out with my mom. And so it's, it's amazing. At this point, we have one more kid who will graduate in December in college and every other one has graduated college. So I'm really proud of that. That's amazing. I mean, eight children and you're saying a single mom all going to college. I mean, that like brings tears to my eyes. That's incredible. It when does. was the first time you were able to see your family after being at Harding? Uh, it, was, oh, it was four years. It was after, I think, the, my senior year. So I worked really hard that summer and I really, really wanted to go home and I met it and it was it was a great job it was a great job for my family and for me did you ever go back and see peter rono peter rono lives in america so and i have seen him i saw him in new york a couple of years ago when i ran new york and so he lives here in america and i am forever thankful for that opportunity for sure Let's take a quick break for me to share with all of you about my friends at Platinum Physical Therapy. So I first started going to Platinum PT earlier this year when I was so sick and tired of having plantar fasciitis and issues that kept me from running and adventuring. I tried to solve this issue with different specialists and nothing worked. 
So I started working with James Cassidy, the founder of Platinum PT, and his, his approach to my health and running was a total game changer. Week after week, he addressed my running and injuries holistically, and week after week, I just started to feel better. My running became more and more consistent, and the issues that had plagued me finally started to subside. Platinum PT has three locations just outside of Boston, and their PTs work one-on-one with you every step of the way. Being runners themselves makes a huge difference, as they really do understand how important it is for athletes to return to the sport they love in a sustainable and healthy way. Platinum PT have a range of cash services on offer, including their regular PT. They also have an Alter-G treadmill, strength and conditioning programs, and dry needling. And they also have a full telehealth program, so you can be anywhere in the world and gain access to their incredible team of professionals. I have so much gratitude for James, the entire team of Platinum Physical Therapy. And if you're listening right now and you're in an injury cycle, or maybe you just want to build strength and long-term stability... Head over to www.platinumptma.com for more information on all of their in-person and telehealth services and book an appointment today. Okay, friends, let's get back to our conversation with Janet. When you look at your college career, it sounds like the last two years you said were more um, successful for you. You weren't dealing with as much injury. What is one race that stands out to you where you felt like, wow, I, yeah, I feel super proud of myself like this is what I've worked for yeah so in college my memorable race was uh indoors my it was basically my I was uh I was a senior in track and junior in in cross country and I no I was a junior actually I was a junior uh in track and I did go to Boston, actually, we were doing our nationals in Boston, Indo, and I was ranked probably the bottom three or four people. So there was no chance of me being All-American at the time, but my progression had gotten really, really good. Like from the beginning of the semester, I had probably improved quite a bit. And coach was like, you know, I think this is a great opportunity. There's really not much to lose. So, you know, you should run your best race, try to get a PR. But a PR to me, I didn't know was going to be second place. So I just remember the race starting and Zoila Gomez was the queen of the time, you know, and she takes off and I just latch onto her and also I'm getting a PR. It doesn't matter, you know, and I just, at one point, I would go to the front and try to help out, and I ended up being second, and I was like, that was a shock. I probably ran over 20 seconds pure, and so that was just an eye-opener to me, and that is the most proud time in my uh, college career, for sure. That's amazing. Just to believe in myself, and just that coach believed in me. Yeah, that's incredible. That must have felt so, so good to be surprised by yourself, but also to believe in yourself. Yeah, that is true. That's true. And it just, it just got better from there. So, and that ended up coming back the next year and winning it, winning the 5K indoor and then winning the outdoor and 5K outdoor. So, 
As a senior in college, do you think you would have ever dreamed that you'd be an Olympian? Or was that one of your goals? No. First of all, running was just a means. Just to do something. All my life, running has just been a means. Even when I started running road races, you know, I just thought, this is it. I'm going to be done after college. You know, I still remember I have a career. You know, I just need to get and into a career and just move on. And then I got to Atlanta and I wanted to make friends. And so I just ran to stay fit, ran some local races. And the next thing I know, I'm winning a little bit of money here and there. And then soon I'm making a living out of it. And even just the Olympics was just, I don't know. You know, people have dreams, but there are people who don't think they'll ever make it there. And yes, I, my sister one time told me, would you ever get a tattoo? And I said, no way. There's no way I'll ever get a tattoo. It's like, never, never, never. I said, oh, if I make the Olympic team, which was like way out of the league, you know, there was no way that was going to happen. And so it took me two years after the Olympics to get a tattoo. Because. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You did it. You took the plunge. You're <laughs> Coach Jack Daniels is famous in the running world um, just for being a legendary coach. When did you first get connected with him and how was his training a part of your build up to 2012 and to making the team? So I met Jack before I met Jack in 2010. I had been reading his book and my husband was using his book to coach the high schools. So I was really familiar with Jack. and. In 2010, I had graduated and I had a job offer. I was ready to just jump into my career and move on. And my husband decides he wanted to be just like me. And so he wanted to go back to school and be an RN. And the only reason I felt for it was he told me, you can take one year, you don't have to work. Who will not do that? You know, it's like, just run and enjoy running, you know? And I said, hey, at this point, you know, maybe I should approach Jack. We're going to be going to Flagstaff for you to go to NAU. And Jack used to live there at the time. He was in Provide. And we enjoyed this. So I went and met with him. And that was the first time I met him. And just fast forward to 2011, I was supposed to run New York, so I had been training for the uh, for New York and then just some small road races. And then I got my citizenship, and Jack was like, hey, you know, you should run the trials. It's going to be a great opportunity for you. And so at that point, like, the, his training was tough. It was really tough. And if you've read his book and seen some of the training programs, it's, but he does understand running so well. He treats every runner individually. That is one big I have learned from him. That's the biggest lesson I probably took from him. And he knew what worked for me. And I think the best thing is, for me to believe in him and trust him and for him to trust me and believe in me. And I think that's the biggest thing that a coach can do. 
And that's how I get to run seven minutes faster in 2012 Olympic trials at the marathon in Houston uh, after not running a marathon the whole year. So, yeah. When you say he knew what worked for you, what does work for you as a runner or what did work for you at that point? So I love to race. (laughs) That was the biggest thing. Like I... I enjoy being in the race and just uh, being in the company of people. And I was not afraid to race more often. You know, when you look at his training, sometimes you're like, man, I'd rather go to a race than do his workout, you know? And I think that drove me more into racing because every workout I did sometimes felt like it was a workout. It was a race. And so he knew that he knew people thought I was crazy running back-to-back races. One of them was Boston. I ran the Boston half and ran the 10K the next day and won both of them. And people thought I was really crazy, but he bought, he understood my craziness. He understood what I loved and he just adjusted my training according to what fit me. And he, I, I had a lot of input on my racing for sure. So that helped a lot. What do you love about racing? I just love the atmosphere. You know, it's, it's the people you meet every day. That's all I live for. You know, all the friendships you make on the way you meet new people. You would have never met if you were just staying at home. And I think that actually, uh, gives me a lot of satisfaction. I've met great friends in my running career and it's been amazing. And just that connection and just, we do inspire each other, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. So it's been, it's been great. It's been great process for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. And both at the 2012 and 2016 Olympic marathon trials, you placed fifth in both of those races. How did those fifth place feel differently? They definitely felt so different in a way. So in 2012, there was no way anybody would have put me in top five. You know, I just ran. And even in the park, I was just looking to the side and thinking, Dina Casta, is that her? Or I'm in a dream, you know, I'm in a movie. And... That was just my drive, and that was just uh, the happiness I got from 2012, just running with the big uh, girls in America and placing fifth. The fifth place didn't matter, you know, and not making the Olympic team was not even in my radar. So, and coming and being fifth was just a great accomplishment and running a PR and running with the best, you know. Just being in the park with the best was just really a good uh, good thing for me that I knew, hey, you know, you can do this. And I think it was a good stepping stone for my uh, running career. And so what was the fifth place in 2016 in L.A. felt like? So 2016, at that point, I had actually kind of decided to go back to work, but not really. And I had had some injuries before leading into 2016. 
But I had confidence. I was like, I knew at that point I had done so many workouts that I knew they equate to what I had done before. And so I knew I could do it at that point. And it was just, it was just a really hard day. And I thought, you know, I just have to do, I was more prepared to place higher at the time. I wasn't uh, surprised at all. So that was the difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then more recently, you ran in the 2020 trials. What did that experience feel like? It was awesome. You know, I, at that point, I was like, hey, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should not. I'm like, I'm qualified. Atlanta is where my road racing career started. And I was like, I know so many people. It's just going to be like, I know the streets, you know, I had run the public's half there a couple of times. And so it was just great to see friends and get cheered by friends that really know you. Even though like after like 18 miles, I was like, man, this is hard, you know? And so at that point, I just decided to enjoy the process, just enjoy the spectators and just not even think about it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was just a celebration, it sounds like, of community. It is. It was. And And just my whole running career, I should say, so. Wow, that's beautiful. Going back to 2012, making the Olympic team in the 10K, talk to me about the process. And I know you set a PR at the Olympics, which is fairly unusual. Were you anticipating a PR that day? So going into 2012, I I was getting more confident on the track. So running at Payton Jordan, I had not stepped in a track or wore any spikes until the Olympics, actually. So I was getting a little comfortable and just even the workouts I was doing so that I could run a PR. I didn't expect that, like, that big of a PR, but... It, everything went according to plan. And again, I give credit to Jack. He knows what he's doing. He's very scientific on, in everything that he does. And I think that's why I stayed injury-free and even performed the way I performed at the Olympics. And so it was, it was good. I didn't really change a whole lot. I just did my normal stuff. I didn't jump on the track and do a lot of track workouts because that's not what I was doing before. So I still did my fat legs and my temperance. And then I would just sharpen like once a week, you know? And so that, that worked out well. Uh, Getting to the Olympics and just, I think I was more worried about the process than the race. Just what they were talking about, saying, hey, you have to be ready to head into the stadium an hour before the race. You know, Nobody tells you that. You know, even road races, you don't warm up 90 minutes before the race, you know. And so it was a little bit different, and I was kind of uh, worried about that, but it all worked out. They have a system, and it works. And the experience there was amazing. You know, you dream of things, and you don't think you'll ever, they will never come true. And, you know, if I had dreamt of the Olympics, that's what it would have looked like. 
Do you know if people from your hometown were watching on that TV you spoke of? Yes. So after the next day, I got a message from one of my second cousins and he's like, yeah, we were watching. Nobody actually knew I was in the Olympics. And so they were watching it and they were thinking, is that Janet? And then they saw the introductions and they had to call everybody in the village like, hey, you got to come see this. This is real, you know? And so that was really funny when I got that call. And I was like, well, you guys don't really think I would make it. But yeah, it was, it was good. It was a really good experience. And yeah, there was a lot of people who watched it. That's amazing. I love that. Your family was like, that looks like kind of familiar. That's Janet. <laughs> yeah, my mom, my mom and my close family knew it because we were trying to get my mom to come, but it, it didn't work out. But we got her TV, a bigger TV instead. So. so as a nurse now, what is the role of running in your life? I mean, you ran a marathon just a couple months ago. So you're still, you know, you're still running. How do you fit it in? So running uh, for me is just like the three-legged stool for me. You know, it's one of the one of the legs. It just balances my life, and I think that's the biggest thing. I I still have to balance my life. Uh, I still have to go out and enjoy it. And the biggest thing I told myself all along in running is if it's not fun anymore I'm gonna quit because I can find something else more fun so I try to make it more fun nowadays I will run down the canyon you know challenge my doctor the doctor who works with me to run down about 14-15 miles after work you know and so it's fun you know we'll be like okay we're gonna run about 10 and walk up five miles, you know, so it's not like rigorous or stringent like we have to run the whole time. So it's it's more of a fun thing for me right now. And hey, if I look ahead and be like, oh, I want to jump in that race, then I'll adjust my training according to that. At this point, it's all fun and try to get to like some of the little places that I've not been. I basically going back to what I used to do in Georgia before. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. That it's just, I mean, it's for joy. It sounds like it's to balance the rest of your life. That's amazing. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite type of workout that you've done throughout your career? That's kind of like your bread and butter. Yes. So I have done these, and this is a workout I came up by myself so Jack would give me a training program except the last week of racing. And I would do a fight leg. And I have done that fight leg. It didn't matter if I was racing a marathon, a 5K. It didn't matter. I still did the same thing. And it's a five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute times, however many, depending on the distance, you know. If I need to go a little bit longer, so I'll add the one minute, but it's been a constant in my, in my career for sure. And do you do that workout with equal refs? So is it five minutes on five minutes off or is it five minute, one minute? Five minute, one minute. Okay. So it's a one minute rest. So, and it. it's more like a, 
high pace interval pace. Yeah, that's awesome. And you also do coaching as well. Is that true? Yes, I do that. And I've been doing it for five, six years now. So it's it's a really fun way to give back to the running community. And it's I have met awesome people in my coaching career for sure. Yeah. What do you what have you learned about running through being a coach? I mean, you've been a professional runner, you've been an Olympian. What have you learned about running from the coach's side? So what I've learned is just to really listen to the athlete and just to take them for like take them from where they are. And the biggest thing is you just have to understand. I used to get frustrated at the beginning, like I gave you three miles to run. How would you not do three miles? You know? And you know, now like I know it. I know it. I come back from work and I know you won't get me out of the couch to go run three miles, you know, after a 10 hour busy day, you know. And so I have actually learned to just listen to my athletes and just meet them where they are at the time. And, you know, just to take running for what it is, figure out where running fits in somebody's life and I think that's the biggest mistake a lot of people do they try to do this running thing even though it should help them but it is destroying them so I have that's the biggest lesson I've learned for sure and I am really picky at who I coach and so that's the biggest thing you know I talk to somebody and you know if they don't really know where the running fits in their life then I don't think it would be a really good match for me. So, and I don't want to be frustrated and frustrate them too. So, Yeah, it sounds like it's a very collaborative relationship. Yes, it is. That's amazing. Is Jack Daniels still a part of your life now? Does he coach you in any capacity or do you coach yourself? I do coach myself, but if I have any questions, hey, we still talk, you know, I'll call him on once in a while, you know, every two, three months we chat and he still tells me the same stories. And I am always impressed with that guy, you know, he'll be like, I just finished my three mile run, you know, I'm like, man, I should get out the door then, you know, (laughs) he really motivates me. Let's take a quick break for me to share with you about my friends at X Endurance. One of my favorite products that X Endurance makes is called Lean, an all-in-one superfood plant-based protein powder. Lean contains 20 grams of plant-based protein and organic greens, including moringa, kale, spirulina, and chlorella. Now, one of my favorite parts of Lean, though, is that it's cookie dough flavored. You heard that right, cookie dough flavored. It has this smooth and delicious taste that I love incorporating into my morning smoothie. And you can take a scoop of it with water as a post-workout recovery. I even made these cookie dough energy bites with lean in them that taste phenomenal and are the perfect snack for right after I exercise. Now to experience lean yourself, you can receive up to 10% off when purchasing it at shop.teamxindy.com slash running on ohm, which is linked to in this episode's show notes. Okay, friends, let's get back to our conversation with Janet. And so what has this time of COVID been like for you as a nurse in the Grand Canyon navigating that? 
So at the beginning, it was it was hard because there was a lot of unknowns. But right now, I think we we've learned a few things and we have uh, learned to deal with it as it comes, and that has really given us a lot of confidence on how to deal with it. And at this point, it's not it's not bad. Like we know what to expect, and we have a protocol, and we just follow it, and that's it. And I am thankful I got a bunch of nurses in my in my uh, family for sure. My husband, my siblings. You know, we talk about it, and so it was really really helpful at the beginning to have those resources and talk to people like that and see like how everybody's coping with because it's it's really a tough time for a lot of people for kids who are not going to school for families who can't work it's it's tough for everybody but we have to be patient and see what we can do to get rid of it or deal with it you know yes and hearing that you have a support system of people who are also in your profession can be so helpful it is it is very very helpful so yeah i i have my sister in law is an np i got my husband and then i have two sisters who are icu nurses and so they deal with it every day and so it's great to just even have that that they can get out of work in the morning and call me and just vent a little bit or i vent to them and so it's it's been really great so and Thankful for that support, for sure. Wow. I know you mentioned you love racing, and obviously there's not a lot of racing going on now, but are there any races or dreams or goals you have with your running that you haven't experienced yet that you want to? Oh, I really want to, it's not even like racing. It's more like exploring places that I got there i loved it but i never really had the opportunity to explore the place and so as you know as a professional you you might be there for a week but you are all about racing it's gonna be oh you know you can't be going on swimming and doing all this other stuff so at this point in life if i get a new opportunity that's all it's my vacation and that i gotta use it the last, in 2018, I actually went to China four times. I went to Australia. So it was it was fun. And so if opportunities like that happen, and I didn't run fast. I ran 246 to 253 in the marathon, but I had a blast, you know. So at this point, it's going to be things like that that I don't even get bit up about. I just enjoy and when i was in china the funniest thing was i ran with a guy from mile two to the finish doesn't spoke a word didn't speak a word in english i didn't speak chinese we communicated somehow and we ended up finishing together so so things like that just make my heart uh full again so Oh my gosh, I love that. There's so much camaraderie with running. Like it is this universal language. Yeah. When you look at your running career and the different people you've trained with, who is a training partner you've had that has had a big that has had a big impact on you? So, I have not really like trained like I trained with a lot of people, but I had 
lots of help. I ran with Diane Curry quite a bit. That's probably who I'd say I've run a lot with. And before that, I had a friend in Georgia that I ran with. But uh, when I was running at a high level, I ran with guys a lot. And, you know, there was a guy in Flagstaff, Greece Comes, and then Mariano was starting up at the time, and he jumped in my workouts. I ran with him quite a bit for sure. And just to have that support system, I'm always thankful for those people. Yeah. And most of the time I did run quite a bit by myself on the workouts, but I just joined a group, whatever they are. If you have been in Flagstaff, you know. You know, they just posted and you just joined people. And so I ran, ran with a lot of people, different ones for sure. So That's amazing to just have a big family of lots of different training partners. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. It That's is. Awesome. When you look at your professional career, what is a race that stands out for you that was really challenging? We've talked a lot about, you know, a lot of your successes. What has yes. been a race that was challenging or disappointing? So I would not even say disappointing because anything that I did was, it gave me something. You know, I learned something out of it. I think the biggest uh, misconception is like you think you learn stuff when you're at the top. That's actually, you don't even feel anything. You You just enjoy. You don't even think about the race. And I think the race that are tough really teach you a lot and I remember going to uh, half the USA half champs in Ohio Columbus Ohio and I just remember not feeling great but it was it was a good field but I had been racing well I had run pretty well leading to that but for some reason, I think I just got, got over my head. I just, it just didn't work out. And I just looked back and I was like, you know, that's your biggest mistake. You know, you can never, you have to treat each, each runner with respect. You know, you have to know they can have their best day today. You know, if you go back to my 5K, I wasn't supposed to bid all the other, I don't know how many people, 15 people, but I did, you know. And so things like that, it brought me back to that state again, to just humble myself again, you know, and know that, hey, this is just running. It's it's not who you are. And I think in that race, I felt like running was, I had some friends who were there, and I felt like running was just my identity. And I had never felt like that before. So it was it was a really challenging race for me to even take it. And I I stood back and I could see where I felt. And so I think that was the biggest lesson for me. That humility of acknowledging, you know, running is not who you are is powerful. Yeah, it is. And it does take a lot. It really does take a lot to for people to get there, for even me to get there, to know that, hey, there's another life. This is just part of it. And it should not just be it. When do you think that shift in mindset happened for you? 
I think it really happened probably, it happened early because when I look back, I did, I really did not take anything for granted for me. Like I knew this was an opportunity to help the rest of my family and other people. You know, it was, it was, I was the, the example to a lot of people. And so that's what I had to use it for. And it, it didn't take long. And I think the biggest thing was because I struggled earlier a lot. I wasn't, I just, it wasn't just an overnight. And so I was taken back all the time to that time that, hey, you are not there, you know, you got to respect every single person, enjoy the process, you know, you got to seize the opportunities, as my coach said. But, and the biggest thing that he taught me was to focus on the task at hand. You will hear him say that all the time. And I think that actually grounded me that even though I killed a walkout, that didn't mean anything. That was gone. You know, you had to enjoy that process and then move on to the next thing. And I think if we do that, we'll see being successful for sure. And you enjoy the process as you go. So. Yes. So much wisdom in that outside of running and being a nurse, what else brings you joy and what grounds you? So I think the, I would say probably the biggest accomplishment for me was just what my mom taught, taught me, you know, it was, when I look back, I thought it was rough, but it actually helped me a lot to just learn so quick when I had to step in and I had to learn to manage time, the resources we had, and to step into a leadership role when you are only 20, you know? And I think that is one of the biggest things that I look back and thankful for my mom to even just stick with us and and just to teach me to be patient and to just believe that, you know, it's going to work out somehow. And so that has been the biggest thing for sure. So, and we'll always be grateful. So Yeah, she sounds amazing. Outside of running and being a nurse, what else do you do that brings you joy or what else grounds you? So some of the other things I do, I do need sometimes. I like to read, but the biggest thing is I love to travel. You know, when I moved to America at the beginning, I thought, oh man, if somebody would give me $2,000, I don't even want an extra dollar. I would go back to my shack in Africa and would never go back anywhere, you know. I thought all I needed was just to be at home. And that was it. And now I cannot I cannot wait for my vacation, you know. And so traveling is just one of the biggest things. And uh, my husband and I love to do that. And so we'll just take trips and hike and just enjoy different cultures and that is one of the goals I still have 
that hopefully I retire before too long and try to enjoy that and hopefully go and watch the Tour de France at one point. That's been my biggest dream. Ooh, the Tour de France. I love it. Do you cycle at all? I am terrible. But hey, I love the sport, so that's not going to help me. Oh my gosh, I love it. I also want to see the tour. We should coordinate and go the same time. There you go. Yeah, that would be amazing. That's awesome. I've been in a big group. Yeah. Janet, thank you so much for your time and for sharing about your story. And thank you for your work as a nurse during this time. So, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. And I am excited to get this one released and see what people think. Yeah. This podcast was brought to you by Platinum Physical Therapy. Platinum PT have three locations outside of Boston and have been a major contributor in my ability to run healthy this year. I started working with James Cassidy, the founder of Platinum PT back in January, and I have been blown away by the holistic care and improvements I've seen. Platinum PT have a range of services outside of physical therapy, including Alter D, dry needling, and a full telehealth capabilities for those who aren't based locally. So you can gain access to their incredible team of PTs from anywhere in the world. Now, if you're in an injury rut or you just want to get stronger in your sport, check out PlatinumPTMA.com for more information on all of their services and book an appointment today. This episode was also made possible with the support of my friends at X Endurance. X Endurance Lean is one of my favorite products they make. It's an incredible protein powder as it's plant-based, filled with organic greens and superfoods, and it's cookie dough flavored. Lean tastes amazing on its own with a scoop of water post-workout, or you can add it into your favorite smoothie. To experience lean yourself, you can receive up to 10% off when purchasing it at shop.teamxindy.com slash running on ohm, which is linked to in this episode show notes. By supporting sponsors of the podcast, this allows me to keep sharing these incredible conversations with women like Janet. Thank you, thank you to all those who will check out Platinum PT and X Endurance. Isn't Janet just incredible? Her perspective on staying positive and persevering through the highs and lows of running in life is really inspiring to me. Please, please do reach out if you also were inspired. Reach out on Instagram and let us know what you thought. Consider sharing the conversation with your community, a family member, a friend, or your favorite running buddy. Nothing beats word of mouth. Now, next week, Danielle Black Lions, surfer, co-founder of Textured Waves, and artist is on the podcast. It's a really dynamic conversation on bringing diversity into the surfing world and overcoming mental health challenges. I can't wait to share it with all of you, so stay tuned. A huge thank you to the incredible podcast team that makes Rue a reality. That's Nick Errol for podcast management, Tim Briggs for design, John Summerford for audio production, Caitlin Marie Minerong for illustration and my album artwork. Thank you. Thank you to this team. Thank you. Yes, you for listening. Lots of love and gratitude.